Discussion to truth coming in at a um, well, it's it's three thirty actually, uh, standard the Eastern Standard, and uh, I'm 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 doing a special broadcast just because I feel it's important and necessary. Uh, America under siege. I started uh, I started this show in. Uh, Windwood, uh, that's district of Miami, uh, using Windwood Radio as uh, my bunker, and I did so really out of in, out of invitation. Uh, uh, someone I identify as uh, Kitty, who was associated to the um, online station and studio in Windwood, invited me onto the program. Uh, due to the research that I had uh, done regarding the Zika uh, uh, virus in Miami and um, the pesticide being used as um, as a means to uh, destroy the virus in the local area. Um, and, and you know what, folks, uh, I turned a, a, a blind eye, if you will, or deaf ear, uh, whichever one you, you like, um, to uh, the controversy and uh, just basically went about my day the uh, best I could and know. And, and it was uh, my late friend. Uh, a fellow that I'll simply identify as David. I have made a tribute to him in the past. Um, that got me involved. He happened to be um, happened to be somebody that I, I trusted a lot, and he got me involved in, in looking into the uh, the local debate. And as I went to the town hall meeting, um, I was appalled, really, at how the uh, the mayor and uh, the council members uh, really shut down any of the, the local cry from the citizens uh, demanding a safer alternative that the pesticide was simply too harsh to be using. Um, and as it turns out, from what I've been told by, by Dr. Hall, who has a lawsuit against Dr. Fauci, uh, what I was told is that there were actually no cases of Zika even found. So a waste, wasteful use of uh, of the pesticide known as a, a known to be out of studies out of Sweden a neurotoxin and uh, rejected a World Health Organization shipment that was delivered to Puerto Rico was rejected by Ricky Rosseo. Um 
And at one point, I had made contact with the office of Roseo, and um, and there was a somewhat preliminary agreement to do a one-on-one -on -one, uh, interview in San Juan. And I had a hotel owner that was willing to host uh, the event, but um, that didn't happen. Uh, and, 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 and here we are now, uh, four, four years later, um, just coming, coming up on four years later and, um, and appalled really to see that there is a, a, a another virus, um, making its rounds globally or having made its rounds uh, globally. And of course, Zika was isolated to the Miami area. And I think there was supposedly a case in San Diego. Um, but now uh, a, what was uh, of uh, a virus of epidemic portions uh, is now a, a, a virus, a different virus, uh, but there's definitely gotta be similarities. Uh, now a pandemic uh, globally. Um, so look, I simply was invited, uh, the, the, the Rockefeller association with the Zika, uh, the patent on that extraction process, uh, is owned by the Rockefeller foundation. It's, uh, uh distributed through ATCC, I believe, uh, out of uh, England. Um, and what was really appalling to me was um, the pesticide also having ties to the Rockefeller Foundation by means of Chevron Chemical Corpora Corporation. And this being known as uh, various trade names, but uh, Dibrom and Nalid interchangeable for this, for this product. Um, and look, I believe in free enterprise, free economy, free competition, um, I have I have no problem with the Rockefeller family or foundation. Well, I'll hold my breath on that. Um, but what I have no problem with is uh, wealth. Um, hey, if you if you make wealth honestly, then that's great. Uh, I do have a problem with criminal wealth, um, and obviously, Standard Oil was deemed by Congress in 1912 to. Uh, to be a criminal in their organization. Um, so it was dissolved. But what most Americans don't realize is that it was, I think, dissolved into about 32 different companies. Yet the, from my understanding, the Rockefeller Foundation remained the largest shareholders of those smaller companies. So even though Standard Oil by name broke into smaller companies, the, uh, the, the, the managing ownership retained the majority uh, share of each of those smaller companies. So the monopoly, if you will, went nowhere. It only became stronger and more powerful and certainly over, uh, over the course of the, the, the uh, decades to follow. Um, after 1912. And, and, and what's also interesting is that 1913 is when the Federal Reserve Bank was formally created in the United States. And if you're listening to this as an American, and, and really as, as any 
citizen, regardless of what country you're living in, you have to ask yourself, do you have a banking system uh, that represents the best interest of the people? Uh, this is an argument that's no different from the days of uh, the Articles of Confederation, the, uh, uh, the Declaration of Independence, um, Thomas Jefferson, Alexander Hamilton, George Washington. These, these are the same type of banking arguments that these, uh, that these people had, and nothing has changed. Um, yet, Americans, uh, Americans don't gravitate to that argument. Um, let me give you a, a, a timeline. So, you've got the Federal Reserve in 1913. Um, you've got the Great Depression breaking. Well, you got World War One breaking out. Uh, then a few years later, then you've got the Great Depression of the 1920s. Then you've got the Federal uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt confiscating uh, public gold uh, and limiting limited limiting that possession to a, a small number of ounces. Um, then you've got so so keep your eye again on the banking mechanism that's running the U.S. government. I mean, we can even backtrack before 1913 and go to Abraham Lincoln, uh, where he was also uh, arguing over the banking system implemented during during his time and we know that he lost his lost his life in Fort Theater. I've been fortunate and I've been to that exact location in Fort Theater in DC. Um, but let's fast forward again FDR and move up into 1963 then um, and we've got JFK uh, driving in a, in a convertible uh, 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 down Elm Street was it uh, Dealey Plaza in Dallas and he gets his head blown off. And what he had done in July, that was November, what he had done in July was he had uh, inserted um, U.S. back, treasury-backed currency, in, uh, I believe they called silver, silver certificates. Uh, interchangeable, I believe. Also, Abraham Lincoln had issued silver certificates. I may, I may be incorrect on that. Um, and, and then within 10 years, you've got Richard Nixon uh, with, the, with the gold shock. So 1971, I believe it is, Richard Nixon uh, doing away with the gold standard. I don't know economics well enough to understand the justification as to why the American people, uh, A, had their gold confiscated under FDR, and then B, uh, why Nixon abolished the gold standard, right? Um and that's what happened. And so, since since seventy one, then you can look you look and look at a a former JFK economic advisor, Dr. Peter Beter, B E T E R, and Dr. Peter Beter basically was arguing in the early seventies that Fort Knox had no gold, that it had been uh, that it had really been hijacked, um, that they that they that they the U.S. government had zero gold, and uh, I believe he implied that it had been shipped to Switzerland. It was being uh, contained by the IMF uh, in Basel. Um, you have to look into Peter Beter a little bit more and what he was arguing. So if you now fast forward today, 
and you consider that perhaps a central baking mechanism is what um, what has grown various economies in Europe throughout time. Um, you, 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 you take France, you take Germany, you take these elements, these countries um, that were developed as a result of the fall of the Roman Empire historically. Um, what happened to the Roman Empire? Well, they devalued their currency. The denarius, I believe, is the name of it. Uh, in the early days of the empire, it represented gold to a high degree. It actually had a high percentage of gold in the coin itself that was being traded on streets and businesses. Um, and over the course of the demise of that empire, uh, the percentage of gold became nil. Um, you, ha you then ask your have to ask yourself, is, this some is that somehow also reflected in, uh, in the fact that the empire fell apart? You're looking at a very similar thing with the United States today. Uh, however, the argument is, uh, did the U.S. dollar ever really have any value to it? The Federal Reserve note, certainly not. Um, uh, and so now you're inserting a global pandemic into the situation. Uh, so let me let me now get into a few moments of Catherine Austin Fitz. Uh, uh, Catherine Austin Fitz is a Wharton uh, grad, a Yale grad, and a former. Um, HUD advisor to the White House, I believe. Um, she has managed uh, billions of dollars uh, over the course of, of her career. And she puts, in 2020, you're, you're now putting into perspective the impact of the COVID-19 uh, viral outbreak, a, a coronavirus. There are multiple coronaviruses. I think Zika is actually a coronavirus. Um, and what was alarming to me, again, uh, during the Zika outbreak, supposed outbreak, was that Zika and the pesticide acted the same way in the cranium of a human being, yet one would break the blood-brain barrier, that being the pesticide, and the other wouldn't. And I was alarmed at writing to the New England Journal of Medicine. I was alarmed when writing to... Lancet out of the UK, Lancet Medical Journal, um, that there were no direct studies peer-reviewed that showed that Zika itself broke the blood-brain barrier and caused microcephaly in, in the, these children that were uh, developing in, in fetus. Yet there was a direct link, and as I mentioned, this is Sweden, Oslo, uh, that the pesticide, the pesticide does indeed break the blood-brain barrier and, and does cause microcephaly. Uh, various things can cause microcephaly in a, in a developing child. Um, but that was, again, the argument with the Zika versus... So does COVID-19, I don't know, does it, does it break the blood-brain barrier? The vaccine, I would assume, that's being developed would, would. So again, what are the implications of the vaccine trial? Uh, or the trials happening now, or injection of vaccine into a human being. This is a global issue. So, again, pulling back and saying, hey, what are the economics behind, or the the impacts behind this pandemic? Uh, Catherine Austin Fitz, ladies and gentlemen, listen to uh, what she has to say for 
a few moments. So you can find her interview uh, on on YouTube. Uh, USA Watchdog is this particular one that that I uh, that I'll be streaming from. Uh, we are watching the mother of all debt entrapments. Is the title okay? Catherine Austin Fitz. Greater support by and large. Back up here. I'm going to back up to about the seven-minute mark. Let me get this uh, Wi-Fi running here. Bear with me, if you will. Again, this is Ian Trottier. Okay. Uh, this is Ian Trottier for Discussions of Truth. And I'm here every Wednesday. I'll refresh this for you. Independent economy globally. So small business, small farms shut down across the board, throwing both the emerging markets and many small business into debt traps. So we are watching the mother of all debt entrapments going on globally, and that means we're in for a very radical reengineering. And of course, that's what we're seeing in the U.S. I mean, it's very interesting. I just, if you come into Tulare, we have a tracker where we're tracking um, the COVID. Uh, deaths by state and party affiliations of the governors and mayors. And one of the things you can see, you have 37 um, Fed locations of banks and branches across the country. Guess how many of them had violent protests? None. I mean, no. none. That's watched on. Wait, 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 wait. Say that again. Say He's clueless. If He's you clueless. map out all the cities that have a Fed bank, a Fed branch, or the headquarters for the Fed Board of Governors, you have 37 locations, you have 12 banks, you have 24 branches and one board headquarters, 33 of those locations have violent protests. You think the Fed is behind this? Okay, so USA Watchdog is completely and totally clueless, and that, that's kind of my argument here, in, in that uh, Americans really walk blind to the manipulation, the monopolization of the U.S. Federal Reserve banking system over their economy. Uh, while movements like Black Lives Matters uh, waste people's time, I'm not saying that racial equality is not important. It certainly is. And should this innocent or uh, should this incident with George Floyd have really been a racially motive incident, which I question because that officer and, um, and George w had a relationship prior to that. They actually worked together. So I'm not sold that that was a racial incident. Um, what I will tell you, for instance, is, for instance, Rodney King uh, was that in the 90s in L.A., that was apparently a systematic racial incident, okay? Um, uh, but have Americans overreacted? Absolutely. Do we all need to be striving for racial equality? Yes, we do. Um, we've got Clarence Thomas sitting on the Supreme Court. We've got, I mean, you've got, you got, we got a black person sitting on the Supreme Court, whereas there's, a, I think there's a Latino uh, Latina, right? There's, uh, there's no, there's no Asian, right? So we have, we have a long way to go in the United States 
uh, and it's not just with black people. I mean, the Chinese were slaves as well in a sense, right? Weren't they? Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, they were imported uh, to build the railroads. My family history, I've, I don't come from any slave owners. We've, we've never owned slaves to the best of my knowledge directly. Um, so I'm all for racial equality. Don't get me wrong. Where I dry the lawn, where I dry the line is when there's violence involved. When there's, uh, when there's destruction of monuments uh, illegally, uh, when that sort of thing has not gone to vote and placed in the law, uh, this is where I have a problem. I have a problem with the looting of innocent businesses. I have the problem with rioting. This has gone way too far across the country and the world. It looks like, however, in the United States, we have problems with this reoccurring at Defunding a police department makes absolutely zero sense to me. Zero sense to me. That's inviting anarchy. So let's just continue. Let's continue with Catherine Austin Fitz because she addresses some of these other problems. Well, indirectly or directly, absolutely the Fed is behind this. You know, the, the central bankers got together and said, okay, we're going to begin the global reset. You know, we're, we're calling it go direct. They launch a plan. BlackRock has now been hired by three of the central banks. They've been hired by Canada, Sweden, and the United States. The conflicts of interest are massive. But, but you're talking about a fundamental reengineering. Now, I'll give you my theory on what the healthcare police powers are all about. And that is, if you, if you are going to reengineer the global currency system, what they want to do is they don't want to go to a new currency system. They want to go to a system where 7 billion people around the planet are literally um, integrated into the cloud. Okay, so this, this she said this, and, and, and I'll let her speak, but this is incredibly important. Uh, this is incredibly important. And can operate with an all-digital system that is the equivalent of a credit on a company store. It's a control system. And if you look at what they're talking about putting into these injections or, or doing with them, you know, you're basically talking about a slavery system. You're talking about integrating into people's bodies. And I always tell people, Bill Gates put an operating system on your computer that gave somebody a backdoor and made you update it constantly and the excuse was there's a new virus. Well, they're gonna play the same game with your bodies because if you can get brain machine interface into a human body or you know a tattoo on a human body, it's part of the quantum dot tattoos, um, and integrate them into the, to the Jedi and other clouds at the US government, then you can cut out all the state and local middlemen. You can cut out a lot of overhead and basically have everybody you know, on on the system. And that's why I keep saying crypto is not a currency. It's the end of currencies. But you're talking about an all-digital system where they can turn your money off and on. You know what this is called. You're a Christian. It's called the mark of the beast. Okay. So I don't get into religion. I look at, I tried to look at the facts. I, I frankly don't take sides politically. Um, what she's talking about here, in case you're not catching on to it, is she used the word injection. Because from a health standpoint, and she'll talk about this in a minute, and I'll let her continue. From a health standpoint, a vaccine actually corrects a health problem. 
an injection is something that's more sinister, if you will. An injection may entail a microchip. And this is exactly what she's getting at. If you go to Google right now and you type in DARPA, D-A-R-P-A, you type in Qualcomm, and you type in 6G, what you get is microchipping in the brain that acts as a brain-to-machine interface through a six, through six, via 6G. Um, let's let her talk a little bit more. That's what they're trying to do here. They're trying to extend the life of the dollar, build a global mechanism to manage the sort of the financial system, so shift it more out of the United States, and then and then essentially hook everybody up into the cloud. Yeah, well, how do you fight this? I mean, can you can you decline the mark of the beast? I mean, I guess you can, um, because uh, you have you you have a choice. Go ahead. Well, here's the thing. The, what you have to do is... So this is where citizens, regardless if you're left or right-leaning right leaning in your politics, this is where citizens need to be concerned about the deployment of federal police. Okay? Now, to protect federal monuments makes complete sense to me. Because Portland, for instance, uh, Tim Wheeler, the mayor, I believe his name is, He's saying, back off, feds, we can take care of it ourselves. Well, after 50 days, he's been unable to take care of it. There's graffiti all over the federal court in downtown Portland. Uh, of course, this is what we're getting from news. I haven't seen this uh, with you know, in person, but it sounds like the courthouse there is under attack. And so my opinion is that the president of the federal government, which is a corporation, um, has every right to go in and defend and restore law and order to his courthouse. Um, now, it's up to the Portland PD to restore law and order in, his, in their city, and it's up to the citizens to demand it. Uh, you can only go so far, folks, folks, before things get absurd. And defunding a police department, again, I'll reiterate, makes absolutely zero sense to me. Uh, look, I don't believe in violence, but I do believe in law and order. And uh, going back on what Greg Hunter is saying here, the watchdog, he's not quite following the money trail. And that's what I'm urging you to do if you listen to this and it resonates with you. You need to be following the money trail because the American dollar seemingly is under complete attack. It's likely on its way to crashing. And what gets implemented after the dollar crashes is a global-based digital currency system that runs off of microchipping. And that is a fact. Well, that's, that's a presumption. But what we can say is fact is Microsoft patent W02020060606. It was awarded to Microsoft just this past February. And that is to run a digital currency. That is to run a digital currency off of human beings that are microchipped. And this is what Catherine Austin Fitz is getting to. By the way, before we get more from Catherine, 
If you go to my website, iantrachier.com, go to the Articles tab, and look into a guy named Anthony Sutton. He taught at Stanford for seven years, and he talks extensively about a Hegelian dialectic being applied to finances. Prescott Bush was tried as a war criminal, correct me if I'm wrong, because he was financing not only the Hitler regime, but he was also financing the uh, Western Alliance through Brown's brother Harriman. Sutton talks about that extensively, and I was actually turned on to Sutton while I was working with Winwood Radio uh, as he had given a speech in Miami Beach in 1972 that he was reprimanded for in Palo Alto. Continuing with Catherine. You have to fight vaccine mandates because what I've said, I wrote an article called The Injection Fraud, which you just mentioned. Um, what I said is these, these are not vaccines. Vaccine under the laws of medicine. And if you look at what they're talking about putting into some of these things, and this is very experimental, but you have nanoparticles, nanotechnology, you have things that alter your gene. These things are very experimental, and they're talking about using them without animal trials or the appropriate kind of trial. You know, normal trials, it would take you two years. Now, they've tried for many, many years to come up with a vaccine for coronavirus. They've never been able to do it. So if you look, I think one of the reasons they want contact tracing is so that they can deal with all the deaths, disability, and sort of sickness that's going to come from, you know, injecting bio waste into 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 human bodies you know one of the things that's in this is aborted fetal tissue so you've got aborted fetal tissue you've got heavy metals you've got the history of these injections are is very very ugly and it's one of the reasons 54 percent of the children in america have chronic disease because of all the sort of foreign matter that's been going into our veins from this stuff so, so what I said in the injection fraud is these are not, this is not medicine. You know, a surveillance tracker is not medicine. I mean, what Bill Gates is proposing to put the equivalent of a Microsoft operating system in your body that can be hooked up to their cloud. And so you can be hooked up to the AI and all that data can make the AI very, very smart, including teaching robots how to do your job. So, so this is a very dystopian vision of the future, but make no mistake about it. If you could implement this vision, um, there are trillions of dollars to be made implementing this vision. So if you look at the new system, the new system is very much what, what some people call a transhumanist system, but it's not a new currency. It's not a cryptocurrency. It's not a digital currency. It's a credit system where they can cut you off centrally. What if you look at the police powers, they're suggesting under the rubric and excuse of healthcare, they're talking about, you know, you can't go to the store unless you let us inject you with these mystery agreements. You can't work unless you do. You can't do this. You can't do that. Con do you know what contact tracing is? Have you? Yeah, with smartphones. They use no, they're, ta they're talking with contact tracing, hiring you know, tens of thousands of contract tracers who can come into your home and uh, force you to be tested. And if they find you positive, now remember many of these tests have 50 to 80% false positives, they can quarantine you 
and they reserve the right to take people out of your home and take them to government or private camps. So this is where you have to be concerned about the federal police, Homeland Security moving into some of these cities. You've, you, you've, you've got a catch-22 going on here, right, in that sense, because you've got unrest, you've got, uh, 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 you've got anarchy developing, um, yet this could spin into an uncontrollable situation if not handled properly. You're now inserting what she's talking about in the contact tracers if the vaccine comes in and then you order the federal police to mandate vaccines in a population, how would you react? How would you feel about that? So there's, there's laws being breached on both sides of the spectrum. Okay. There's laws being breached. There's rights being violated. And again, maintain your peace, maintain your calm, and follow the money. Because really, if Americans step back and want, in my view, they want sanity. And I'm using that word because I think this is not sane. Uh, but if they want sanity reinstored, to their country. You've got to backtrack over a hundred years worth of corruption. And you've got to demand, and this was big in 2008 with the subprime mortgage crisis, but you've got to re-demand that that Federal Reserve banking system become transparent, become ex uh, exposed. It's got to be audited. Ron Paul's been talking about this for couple decades, I believe. It's got to be audited. And you've got to show the American people that there's value behind the work that they're doing on a daily basis. That value is your precious metal, your gold and your silver. You've got the Federal Reserve and you've got the U.S. Treasury both saying within recent years that neither, of the, one, neither, neither one of them have gold. And Nixon's far, far long abolished the gold standard. So where is the value, America? Where is the value in your currency? There is none. It's a fiat currency. There, there's no more value in a bill from, monopol from a monopoly. Parker Brothers, is it? Uh, or Hasbro, I don't know who makes Monopoly, but there's no, there's no more value in a, in a bill from Monopoly game board than there is from the Federal Reserve note that you have in your pocket. And that central banking mechanism is pushing harder than it's ever pushed to completely obliterate and wipe out monetary exchange from hand to hand worldwide. Dollars, coins, to completely do away with that system and implemented a digital currency. Technically, there's differences between digital and crypto currency, but there really isn't, in my opinion. 
So let's continue with Catherine. Then I want to get into a little bit of a Gerald Posner segment uh, that was just sent to me. So they're, they're asserting the right to come into your home and take your children. So I come in, I test you, I say you're positive with tests which are totally unreliable. And almost everybody has coronavirus in their bodies and we're asymptomatic. It's, it's like saying we have cells, you know. So, so you're talking about creating police powers that are going to give you very tyrannical central controls way, you know, this is ripping up the Constitution to an exponential degree. Where does Donald Trump fit in? Donald Trump, uh, as far as I can tell, is playing along. Now, it's interesting. Donald Trump resisted shutting down the economy, um, but then he went ahead and did it. Uh, and Donald Trump, who's resisted vaccine mandates, proceeded after sort of Bill Gates and Fauci's credibility was destroyed for very good reason on many different points. Donald Trump promoted uh, and started a program called Operation Warp Speed. And Operation Warp Speed is being run by the former head of research from GlaxoSmithKline, who's a bioelectronics expert and, uh, and according to the Financial Times, is one of the leaders on brain-machine interface. Now. Um, he's got Operation Warp Speed set up to coordinate with the Department of Defense, and he's arranged for the Department of Defense, I think, to buy, I think it's $600 million. It's basically two syringes for the whole population set up with digital coding so that they can basically, you know, put in a database who got what vaccine, et cetera. Um, and frankly, if you look at how that's all organized and set up, you know, Trump has said, well, it's for people who want the vaccine, if you look at the effort to get mandates state by state by state and, you know, basically use the health, um, the health code and, and, you know, the pretext of a flu defined as a pandemic to radically increase police, central police powers, uh, you know, I think, I think we're talking about the, the, the greatest experiment I'm stopping it there because this is not an experiment. This is design, in my opinion, um, and this is a this is a design that is decades decades old. Um, my presumption is that the United States uh, has long been under fire. Uh, it is the most productive country that's ever been organized, in my opinion. Uh, it's brought it's brought a lot of good to the world. It's brought a lot of bad, but at least it has been able to bring people of all walks of life and languages together, like no other country has ever ever done uh, in the history of, of of mankind, to my understanding and knowledge. But Catherine's got another thirty five minutes of discussion, a talk. Uh, please. Uh, please look look for it on YouTube. And again, what's Google? What's YouTube? All that is is basically artificial intelligence. So, in the large scheme of things, uh, that's what is happening, folks. We are the 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 brain and machine interface is strengthening, and little by little, in my view, we are simply becoming more integrated.
into robotics, uh, machinery, artificial intelligence. Um, now, if you don't mind uh, being injected and implanted with a microchip or a digital ID, uh, which is a company out of funded by the Rockefeller Foundation and Microsoft. It's out of San Francisco, ID 2020. Um, and by the way, a lot of this information is available on the Rockefeller Foundation website. Uh, regardless of whether they mean good or mean bad, it's really up to you as an individual to decide what you feel you want in your life. Do you want a microchip to be implanted on your body to track your every mood? I know your cell phone is being tracked. But if you want this actually inserted into your body, uh, well, you need to speak up and voice your opinion uh, because it's starting with the whole mask uh, situation uh, in debate across the country. Uh, do you think that's a violation of your right? Uh, you know, one argument is, well, we've got to wear clothes to go into a public setting. Yeah, that's fine. But no one's asking you to... Uh, no one's asking you to uh, wear uh, headphones to block out any hearing. Uh, no one's asking you to uh, wear a blindfold to block to block your eyesight. Uh, but they are asking you to block your mouth, which will inhibit your breathing. Um, and that's being done to uh, to somehow tell you that uh, it's for the betterment of your neighbor and and for your own health. Well, you have to decide whether that should be your choice or government's choice. You want a big government? You want a little government? It's time for America to stand up and voice their opinion and do so in a peaceful manner. Uh, the violence is disgusting. It absolutely, absolutely disgusts me. Um, okay, so let's get in quickly to Gerald Posner for a few moments, and then, um, and then we'll wind down. Uh, the discussion for this afternoon. Let me bring this up here. Okay, so Posner joined me uh, a little over a month ago to talk about his most current book, Farmer, Greed, Lies, and the Poisoning of America. I want to direct your attention to Charlotte Eiserbit. And Charlotte was one of the early guests on, on the program, and she wrote, the book, The Deliberate Dumbing Down of Americans, this was back in the 80s, as uh, she was uh, fired by uh, the Reagan administration for speaking out about the education, public education in America. So let, let's just get into this real quickly, uh, and then we'll wind down for, uh, for this Wednesday. The Sacklers, that's S-A-C-K-L-E-R-S, -E the Sacklers could get away with it. The family behind the Purdue Pharma made a fortune on the opioid epidemic, will they ever truly face justice? Uh, Posner is the author of Pharma, Greed, Lies, and the Poisoning of America. And he's co-written this New York Times piece with Mr. Brubaker, who is a law professor. Okay, chimes. Uh, the billionaire Sacklers, who own Purdue Pharma, maker of the Oxycontin painkiller that helped fuel America's opioid epidemic, are among America's richest families. You've probably never heard of them. 
And if they have their way, the federal court handling Purdue's bankruptcy case will help them hold on to their wealth by releasing them from liability for the ravages caused by OxyContin. July 30th deadline for filing claims in Purdue's bankruptcy proceedings potentially implicate not just claims against Purdue, but also claims against the Sacklers. The Sacklers may yet again benefit from expansive powers that bankruptcy courts exercise in complex cases. So far, the bankruptcy court has granted injunctions, stopping proceedings in several hundred lawsuits charging that Sackler family members directed the aggressive marketing campaign that led to millions of addicted patients and the deaths of several hundred thousands. The Sacklers offered $3 billion in the hope that bankruptcy court will impose a global settlement of oxycodone litigation under this settlement. All claims against the Sacklers, even by families who lost loved ones to opioids, would be forever extinguished. The Sacklers would walk away with an estimated several billion of oxycodone profits after leaving unresolved a crucial question asked by victims and their families. Did the Sacklers create and coordinate fraudulent marketing that helped make their best-selling drug a deadly national scourge? With that question left unanswered, many of those injured by oxycodone would feel victimized again. In a bankruptcy bank filing, debts are given discharged in legal terms after debtors commit the full value of all their assets with the exception of certain types of property like a primary home to pay their creditors. This is not, however, what the Sacklers want. Indeed, the members of the family have not filed for bankruptcy themselves. What they propose instead is to be shielded from all oxycodone lawsuits protecting their tremendous personal wealth from victims' claims against them. What's more, a full liability release would provide the Sacklers with more immunity than they could ever obtain any personal bankruptcy filing, which would not protect them from legal action for fraud, willful or malicious personal injury, or from punitive damages. And by the way, uh, Posner is a former Wall Street uh, attorney. Appalling legal experts expect the court to give the Sacklers what they want, the precedent in a 1984 case in which the A.H. Robbins Company, the manufacturer of Dalkin Shield contraceptive device, filed for bank street protection. Plaintiffs charged that members of the Robbins family and others had fraudulently concealed evidence of the Dalkin Shield's dangers. None of themselves filed for bankruptcy, but the court discharged all of them from liability. The releases even went as far as to prohibit injured women from suing their doctors for medical malpractice. Sounds like vaccine-injured children. Other bankruptcy courts or, or parents of uh, have since embraced this concept of a shield from liability of those who have not filed bankruptcy. By the way, vaccine court is a legitimate and real court practice in the United States that protects pharmaceuticals from being sued. The Constitution vests only Congress with the power to enact bankruptcy laws, the essence of which is prescribed, prescribing by statute have how much wealth a debtor must surrender to debtors in order to obtain a discharge. But Congress has never given a green light for the courts to create a liability discharge process for those, like the Sacklers, who have not submitted all their assets to the control of bankruptcy courts by filing bankruptcy. The extraordinary practice presents serious obstacles for those injured by oxycontin. If granted, it will be nearly impossible to get a full and transparent assessment of the Sacklers' role in the opioid crisis without either the appointment of an independent independent examiner in the Bankstreet case or congressional investigation. Allowing the Bankstreet court to impose a global oxycontin assessment may at first appear to be an efficient way to resolve litigation that could drag on for years, but the Sacklers will benefit from the ex 
expediency at that expense of victims. At stake is whether there will ever be a fair assessment of responsibility for the America's deadly prescription drug epidemic protection from all oxycotton liabilities for the Sacklers. However, excuse me, Sackler family would be an end run around the reckoning that justice requires. You can find that article at NewYorkTimes.com. Gerald Posner, the title again, an opinion piece. The Sacklers could get away with it. Um, we have incredibly trying times, folks, in, in this country. Uh, nor did I ever see um, see this happening. Um, my consult is for uh, Americans to unite. Dividing is not an effective resolution. Division will cause chaos. Um, where these cities are having a chaotic atmosphere regarding these looting and rioting and, and violent protesting, um, it's becoming an it's becoming an outrageous situation, and if a police department is department is defunded, who then moves in with the power? Because someone will obtain the power. Some group, some organization will obtain that power. So who will control the power if the police department loses it? Likely, likely, they will be rogue. organizations that don't have your freedom at their best interest. Again, defunding a police department means a transition of power. So where then does that power come from? And it will likely come from a place that you won't like because they will not have you in their best interest. That's going to do it for Discussions of Truth, July 22nd. I'll be back next week with Gerald Horn. Gerald is a professor at the University of Houston, and uh, he has a PhD from Columbia University, a JD from University of California, Berkeley, and a BA from Princeton. Folks, thanks for tuning in. Please pass the message along. Again, Catherine Austin Fitz on YouTube. Uh, and um, be safe. And folks, simply... Be awesome.